I'm your inner dream monologue and you're fast asleep. So I'll be quick. Great job using the Colgate Optic White Overnight Teeth Whitening Pen before bed. When used as directed, it gives you a visibly whiter smile in just seven days. So while I fly and talk to animals, you're removing teeth stains with ease. Sweet dreams. And when you wake up, keep on living life to the brightest. Colgate Optic White. Find it at all major retailers. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey, movie lovers, welcome back for another Anatomy of Movie. Ironically enough, Ben is also back. The latest Lucas Hedges movie, along with Julia Roberts. We're talking about it, so stay tuned. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. And now, here's Popcorn Talk's Anatomy of a Movie. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. A Christmas movie just in time for the holidays. Ironically enough, the final movie in the 2018 Anatomy of a Movie calendar. Yeah. We have Marissa Serafini. Hello, everyone. I'm Phil Svitek. Sad to say, Dimitri Panos is not here. He's uh, not back. He is not back. But he will be back in 2019. Mm-hmm. So, for those of you joining us for the very first time, a couple of things. We talk about movies. In this case, Ben is back. And we're going to give our review of it, of course. But we're going to go a little bit deeper. We're going to talk about the plot lines, um, the stories, and, and you know the themes, and so forth. And then we're going to get into the production aspects. How things got made. Why did they get made this way? Culminating into the box office, or in this case... It just opened up a little bit wider. It's not even fully, fully wide. So there's not going to be that much box office, but we will talk about its legacy going into awards season. So lots and lots of stuff to talk about. Um, so definitely, definitely stick with us. Those are the various things. By that description alone, you can probably tell it's going to be spoiler-filled. So if you haven't yet seen this movie, we understand that it, it, it it's we're doing it very early. By all means, pause us, and then when you have seen the movie, check us back out later. Uh, also, you can there's a in the description box there's a PDF link that you can click and follow along in terms of our notes to fulfill and fill out the the conversation we have here today. So, where we'd like to kick things off is with our overall thoughts. Marissa, Ben is back. This movie was amazing, and I loved how it was compressed into a 24 hour timeline because it. That naturally just kept the pace going throughout this movie. I was sucked in from the beginning all the way to the end. I got invested with the family. I got invested with Lucas Hedges and just the character of Ben. I got uh, invested with Holly Burns and the mother because for the second and third act, it really just becomes about these two. And you feel for them because their relationship as a mother and a son as an actor to another actor their chemistry was amazing and that's what was gripping about this film because i believed the two together and you don't want anything happening to them and yet they take you on this emotional ride for an hour and 45 minutes and that's a testament to the acting and the writing this movie was so good yeah it was definitely a very powerful movie what i 
see it's it's always kind of tough to talk about these movies cuz I'll use like the word love which not the right term but the fact that you take the backdrop of one of the most celebrated holidays ever Christmas mm-hmm. and you flip it on its head and and I have this drama that's what I appreciated um I thought it was a very very strong I thought Holly Burns's love for for Ben really shows um and sh- and she wants help help for him but at the same time I, sh- I don't think she's naive you know what I mean where I, I think there's some you know not that there's anything wrong with it. there's certain people that sometimes when dealing with an addicted person they can be taken advantage of and I think that happened to a small extent but overall uh, Holly was a very strong character not to be taken advantage of um, and I thought the secondary characters were equally as strong if I had any misstep about the movie is that I was so invested in Ivy and Neil that by the end I was like but what happens with them Mm. Um, so that was that's my only minor minor nitpick Um, but apart from that I think a very powerful powerful movie yeah Um, and you believe them as a family unit and they all have their their differences with Ben and just the the relationships are dynamics are different between like Ben and Neil compared to Ben and his sister Ivy, and it's it's interesting to see how and not just the family but even like the extended friends, quote unquote, mm-hmm. um the the extended people that also were affected by by Ben and what he he has done. So you can see where everyone just stands with Ben just by like one scene of one interaction. You can tell that Ben was not in a good place back in his life yet we never see it um we the audience never saw it we were told but we know enough information that we can inference of what happened well the 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 information is very well parsed out it's not spoon-fed to us and when people are being tense in the beginning or questioning yeah you know as an audience you're trying to figure it out of like are are they being unnecessarily harsh or is there history to it what what's really going on and and when you're kind of just you're you're almost following these little breadcrumbs throughout the entire movie until uh everything comes together and you finally realize the truth i mean pretty much right up until the end you're still unsure of what's actually going to happen uh ben has that one really great line of never trust an addict and mm-hmm even the things you're like oh that's so sweet that he's saying this you're like but is it is it truthful <laughs> or yeah. is it not and it's it's hard to believe him because it's coming from him yeah. who's the addict so there there's a lot of irony there and i think it's interesting that i, I loved how we got so little information pieced throughout that we had to put it together in one big puzzle and i love that um but it also just shows was ben truly at fault I mean, he he did. He was responsible for a lot of crap that went wrong. Yes, but the way he started, you you slowly understand that it was other people, other influences, even adults influenced him. And it's hard because just the people that he was surrounded by, his social network, was also not a good, great influence on him. No, there's definitely a lot of themes to dissect. So let's keep that in mind because I definitely want to talk about how he got addicted. Um, mm-hmm. But even even before we t- get to that, I, I guess a good place to start would be the effects of addiction and how widespread they are. Because I, 
for for all intents and purposes, I really thought Ben had good intentions, right? I I, I don't know, maybe maybe I'm the sucker in in a lot of different circumstances, not just this movie, but I think when people say something, they they have the best intentions behind it. Um, the problem was just because Ben was ready to move on from his past mistakes. Obviously, his family wasn't, mm-hmm. and certainly the ramifications of his prior actions. You know, other people aren't in that same boat and aren't as forgiving. Yeah. Just because you're ready to move on. Yeah, and it's difficult because when we see Ben come back, we see how loving he is towards his family, towards his parents, his sisters, his little brothers and sisters and whatnot. You can tell he's a good person. He had a really messed up time in his life, but overall you can tell he, he's a good boy. Um, he, he comes from a loving family. He himself is a loving person. He thinks about others and cares about others. And especially when he wanted to get Christmas presents for his siblings. Like, that came from a good place. No one told him to do that. He wanted to do that. So there are times where, like, he is a nice guy, um, just as person-wise. But he's done awful things. And even then, like, very early on in those moments, um, you just... He grapples with temptation throughout the whole movie. And, you know, you're at, especially in that moment, you're left questioning of, like, okay... Does he want to go to the mall because he actually wants to get presents, or is that an opportunity to do something? And it was altruistic enough, I feel like, but then it also leads to his downfall because that's where he gets spotted. Mm-hmm. And from that, because now the title takes on many meanings. So the fact that Ben is back in town, it's a big red flag and, and kind of signal to everyone else of like, hey, time to get back to work. Yeah, Ben is back. Prepare yourself. because you don't know what to prepare for and it's interesting because like yeah he had good intentions to go to mall or so we're led to believe but also the different people that we meet just in the mall scene and just emotionally how he goes from one place to the next because even at the mall when he quote-unquote calls his sponsor but he wanted to go to a sponsor meeting i think that was on him Mm -hmm. like that definitely wasn't his sponsor that he talked to but you can tell because he's such a good person trying to actually clean up his life. He's like, I got to get to a meeting before I spiral out right now. I need to get some control. That was on him. And I give him that despite the people he was spotted by. Yeah. Let me ask you this. Uh, It ties back to, we're going to kind of go all over the board and come back. But um, because we're talking about the mom, there was that scene where Holly is talking to the doctor and she basically says, like, you piece of shit. Like, you're the one who did this. And I know you mm-hmm. basically F you if you don't remember. And I thought as the movie went on that he was going to be the culprit. Really? Which it, it, it's interesting for two things. Number one, I want to get your your response to that notion if you had any inkling of that. But number two, the fact that that's where we learn that his drug addiction really stemmed from uh, just a simple, just let's say over the counter, not well, maybe prescribed drugs, mm-hmm. right? So it's one thing to like pick up some weed or alcohol and so forth, but when you're prescribed something and that's what kicks you into this spiral, um, I thought that was a very underscored notion of the movie. But even even early on, Holly's talking like, no, it has to be organic when she's telling Neil about just freaking cranberries of mm-hmm. all things. Um and how it, I don't know. So I I I I, I 
There's a lot for you to unpack. Right. So pick whatever part of it you want to unpack first. I think it was very interesting to show that it was a man, a quote-unquote doctor, and we can believe that he was a legit doctor who didn't have any intentions of getting someone hooked on, on medicine. And I've actually witnessed people who have gotten overdosed because they were prescribed, been improperly t- weaned off of drugs. So you can tell like when, when people go through withdrawals, um, when things aren't properly measured. That's why you know medicine takes a lot of proper measurements and, and a lot of math. So again, that wasn't Ben's fault. That was an adult's fault. That was an adult's mistake. Um, but also the way that they show the doctor seems like he was maybe like suffering some dementia or some like memory issue. Maybe it was like some senility playing. He seemed innocent enough that he didn't understand what was happening. He didn't realize his actions, what he did. Mm-hmm. So I didn't see him as like, oh, I'm your personal drug dealer. I know what I'm doing. I'm keeping you hooked. That seemed like an actual intimate innocent mistake so mm-hmm. i didn't fault him in that sense the the doctor so i didn't ever think he would play into um, the, the, the movie lark. again other than understanding this is how ben got addicted well even from that perspective though it's you know whether it is is his fault or not he i guess you could say like one of the things when you start to unravel the entire movie the fact that the the drug lord continues you know everything goes up the chain up the chain so in terms of the doctor if you follow the chain you, you kind of blame the entire american medical system of uh just pushing drugs down people's throats like that's our solution for everything and you know when you look at drug addiction i don't have all the full statistics as far as america but you could it's a lot more alarming to have to think about oh wait the doctor who we trust and through you know, he may be well-intentioned, but this could happen simply because of something like that. And right. I think that's a haunting issue that doesn't really get surfaced that much, but but I think about. Yeah, and it happens because I personally have witnessed someone go through that. Fortunately, they're not addicted, but they have gone through the misdiagnosis of a certain amount of prescribed drugs that have affected the body to the point where they do go through legitimate withdrawals and it's not good and that's that's a common mistake that's not talked about as much as it should because doctors don't want to admit that they made a mistake in that sense we would never trust the doctor again (laughs) exactly but it's also it's hard to understand because he is a teenager and we know teenagers not not all but teenagers that that's the age where everyone tries everything that's the so it's hard to believe like how you got started or why you got started and why and why you're still addicted mm-hmm. yeah and uh, you know uh, the other aspect of it was it, there was a lot of things stacked against him like we, again when you follow that thread and this whole entire town um it seems like such a nice town and yet the underbelly like uh what was it the p teacher i believe um, he's the one that, like, they had a good deal going. The history teacher. The history teacher. That's yeah. what it was. And you're like, also, holy crap. from another adult. So even, like, the adults aren't the, aren't, um, the good influencers in this movie either. No. And that that was definitely meditated. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? No one can make an argument that, oh, the, the history teacher was just prescribing him some, uh, some, some study drugs. No, that... 
Yeah. So, so it just kept going to all these different places and, um, it, you know. But it, it also, no, sorry not to cut you off. Sure. It also shows what Ben did and who he talked to and all the the favors, quote unquote, he did just to acquire drugs. Like yeah. the favors that he had to do. He's like, we had a deal. I'm like, what did you do for him? That's what I questioned. And they never really talked about it. Yeah. But I think you can kind of guess what he did. Yeah, and that's the thing. You're 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 going down this neighborhood. You see a nice Christmas tree and so forth, but behind it is like the devil, and it's not just the history teacher. I don't like they went to so many different places, in nice parts of town, and yeah, you, you know, and that that's the thing. Like everyone keeps pointing out to Ben of like, oh, remember all the times you stole and broke in and so forth, and now all of a sudden it happens to you, and now you're upset. This is where you draw the line. Like, whoa, that that's that's the kettle calling everything black or whatever the saying is pot calling the the kettle kettle black black. yeah (laughs) yeah i get you and it it also shows that not everyone's innocent in this movie no i don't think i don't think anybody was i I think who do you really trust maybe holly because she's she's definitely the most consistent character but who like who do you really trust but even even holly's an interesting character in of herself because uh beth being the mother of um the girl who died who maggie maggie who who ben was responsible for i think i think that was a touching scene because because beth could have very been um antagonistic against holly like Mm -hmm. the like her husband was i mean the husband rightfully so. so though because we're only giving again little information of what happened um and and i'm glad that it the mother of Maggie was more forgiving because Ben needed a friend on his side. <laughs> um, yeah. Holly also needed a friend who understood her too of what she's going through. Because if it wasn't for Maggie's mother, um, Ben wouldn't be alive. No, not at all. And and that it, I think what was also important, like that maternal instinct kicks in, and um, there was that recognition by Beth of like at, at, after a certain point, it, they're just not them. You know, so you can't, you can't look at, in, in her case, like Maggie, because she wasn't Maggie. She was something else completely. I mean, mm-hmm. it was as if she was possessed by, by a demon at that point. Right. Yeah. And it's really unfortunate. Like, I don't know if we ever got Maggie's mother's actual name. I'm trying Beth. to Beth. Oh, yeah, Beth, Beth. Um, when Beth, it, it was great to see Beth because you wondered, uh, like, where she would be with, with Ben. You can tell that she's not okay with it but she was civilian or like civil enough with holly and i think it it was really good that holly went up to her and like Mm. apologized because like she needed to form that friendship that would help later on in the story and i like that because i think maybe not just saying as a generalization but beth is a woman she is a mother she might be more forgiving of a situation as terrible as that was the the father not so much um he, he responded in anger, rightfully so. But you can also tell maybe that these two, Beth and the father, they did have a, a great relationship, but they're not living together anymore. And they oh. usually say after you lose a child, like divorce happens more often. There are mm-hmm. statistics about that. So they're not living together. Um, the father more distant, more angry, unforgiving. Yeah, you know, I think, you know, 
you can maybe justify it, like, but at a certain point, like the the I look at it from the standpoint of when something like that happens, and you always want you always want something to blame, and then in essence, when the thing you can blame is so obvious, it's such a low hanging fruit. In the case of like, oh well, who sold her the drugs and who got her addicted? Oh, Ben. Then it just becomes very easy. No, and. Ironically, it's very cyclical because the same way Holly blames the doctor, um, I think that's one of the tough questions to answer is like, okay, who is ultimately responsible? Mm -hmm. um, are you as the family members responsible um, or is it is it the um, is it the child who's addicted, the addict one way or the other? Um, and that's the tough part is, you know, at the end of the day, the only people that can get better is the addict and they have to, like, you have to understand that. Um, which was a you know we haven't brought it up yet, but um, I'm sure uh, in in the award season this movie will be com compared a little bit to Beautiful, Beautiful Boy, Boy, which tackles a similar notion, similarly aged kid. But well, also, Beautiful Boy is based on a real story. Mm, yeah, which um, is even more difficult because that was a difficult film. Yeah, the diff the main difference being this one takes place over 24 hours. Uh, give or take and that one takes over the course of many years mm -hmm. and what I appreciate about this one is that uh, by the way you can check out our anatomy of Beautiful Boy as well um, but th this this has the ability to go in depth with each of those moments one of the central things is when he's in that um, meeting he says like oh you know I'm trying to get to day 78 and by the end as I'm watching I'm like damn you did not yeah, you did. time to reset the <laughs> clock buddy yeah back to one Fact one, and but I like that because it just in real time we can follow these people easily. We we see them go from place to place to place, and we see the the emotional devolving of of and deterioration of Ben throughout. Like he starts the movie in a really good place and he ends it in a really really the lowest place he could be, uh, almost dead. And but the. And those are all the emotions we see within 24 hours, and that makes it more human. It does, and he has all those... We see those very specific moments that he has the ability to make a choice. Just him driving in the car um, with the dog, finally. I don't know how more symbolic you can get when he's got the drug in one hand and the dog in the other that saved it. Like He's got the, 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 the good angel and the bad angel or yeah. the devil on his shoulder, like literally there. Yeah, the dog that saved his life the first time and it's licking his hand it's like you can tell like the dog's like don't do this you know what mm -hmm. i mean you just take it for for that notion yeah that did you and here's my question to you did you ever think that he was going to use again at the end after having seen him what he went through that entire night did you think he was going to use again when i saw that he had it in his hand as he was driving i knew it wasn't good I was hoping against all hope that he wouldn't, and then just everything kept happening. He leaves a note. I'm like, oh, no. Right. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. Uh, but then the ending is still unexpected in its own right because the fact that he does survive. Uh, you know, I don't know what day one's going to be of this recovery. And but... it's Christmas, too. The day of birth <laughs> for Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Um, but going back to an earlier point, you said, like, yeah, uh, Beautiful Boy was based on true events and, and um, a book. Well, Peter Hedges 
in writing this, like he's his his fan, he's dealt a lot of these and addiction in his family. Some that have made it, some that have not, and some that are still struggling with it. So, but so by that notion, while it's not you know quote unquote true story, it is true to life. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Do you want to do you want to expand upon that since we haven't really uh, touched upon that? But might as well now, and right. then we'll continue. Right. With- so Peter, he had the idea of one Christmas Day. Where uh, he decided to compress a 24-hour time frame. Um, He says, I got the idea of starting the movie on Christmas Eve morning. I wondered what could happen in one day if a young man in recovery comes home when it's probably too early for him to return. Hence the genesis of of this. And then, uh, you know, going from his, his personal relationships with people who have gone through addiction and alcoholism and and just drugs use in in that sense um but he he wrote this fairly quickly actually um and uh six weeks about six weeks and for for a full movie six weeks is actually a pretty good turnout and uh after a couple of revisions, he sent it to his friend, uh, Nina Jacobson, who was, you know, former president of Walt Disney. And within an hour and a half, she called him back, be like, I have to produce this. Hmm. And that that's where it's, it, it officially got, like, it's producing um, started. So it just got pretty fast-tracked on it. And then um, the Teddy Schwartzman, who's the CEO of Black Bear Productions and, and the president, he helped fast track the pre-production process um, from the script and got people uh, like involved in the movie. And you know, in terms of Julia Roberts, she was kind of the same way. She read the script. Like everyone just gravitated towards the script, and Julia Roberts had the pleasure of reading it. She uh, she took some time out from her vacation to meet with Peter. Uh, and nowadays, as it's kind of noted, she asked her family to see if, you know, because a movie's a commitment, mm-hmm. if she, she can go do the movie. And they signed off on it. She texted Peter Hedges and and was on board. Now, we've raved about collectively Lucas Hedges. The most interesting part of it is that Julia Roberts is responsible for the casting of him. Right. Uh, he, uh, so... Julia really admires just Lucas's um, ability, acting ability, and she's the one who texted Peter, be like, "Hey, it'd be great if your son was, um, you know, the the son in this movie because she she likes his, his acting performance." So it was her recommendation for. I mean, and Lucas, he he's great on his own. But to be, you know, cast in his father's film, you would think nepotism, but no, it's more just talent because Julia um, mm-hmm. wanted him. And also, because uh, obviously there's going to be some hesitation there, Julia actually sent a photo of her and her real-life son, who's also a redhead, and sent it to Peter. And she had this, this funny quote saying, um, young red hair boys feel comfortable <laughs> with me standing next to them. Um, to, also to help convince to uh, get Lucas. It's like, hey, I, I'm a good person to to be with. Um, and like boys of this age are comfortable with me, so that yeah. that helped convince Peter to cast his son. Yeah. Well, I, th- I think it was ironically less about Peter; it was more about Lucas because um, he just didn't want to do a movie with his father and not this movie in particular, but just movies in general. Um, Cause it's not like, it's not like Peter is directing comedies and so forth. Like you're really going to mm-hmm. have to go there. And in this regard, if he's 
he, he's playing the role, you know, he's he's going to be somewhat in that similar position where he's still a kid and taking directions and he has to go there. And as he said, like, but how do you say no to Julia Roberts when she recommends you? Mm-hmm. And, you know, Lu- Lucas is kind of great about it. He said, like, yeah, it, w- it was sometimes, you know, on set my dad would trigger me. But at the same time, his notes were good and, and had nothing to do with him as a director. It's just me being a bratty teenager. Right. And a bratty son. Yeah. And, and only again, you understand, and I like how he's aware of that. But I think it also helps him because having an already personal family paternal relationship with someone directing you also just helps add to real acting. Well, certainly in this case, because... Yeah, yeah, the the whole mistrust of him, like he kept saying all these things um, to, let's say Neil, right, or even Ivy, and they they always were like, mm-hmm, okay, whatever you say, buddy. Mm-hmm. And so from that perspective, he has to have that sense of that teenage angst, if you will. And so when he when it's triggered by his father, well, rather than just be bratty back to him, he's like, okay, I can use this. Right. I can use this in the moment with the actors. Right. And it's actually hard to tell because watching this film, I didn't really think teenager. Yeah, he's young, but he was way more mature than kids his age would have been because of the things he, he went through, the people he was dealing with, and the actions he was taking felt way more adult than a teenager's not going to be like, mother, stay in the car so I can talk to this guy. I know what he's capable of. So I didn't really see a bratty teenager teenage angst. I saw a young adult dealing with adult situations. Yeah, it was definitely tough. And yeah, I definitely want to talk about Ivy because, you know, when you talk about being pulled into something and growing up a little bit faster, I think she's very dimensional. She She's smart. She's bright. But at the same time, she's seen, she knows Ben for who he is. And you can imagine, like, um, yeah, she might be a younger sister, but at the same time, you know, like, she's seen him at school and so forth. So all the stuff that Holly hasn't seen that's being revealed to her now, mm-hmm. Ivy, to me, all, all understands that. And she knows the truth. Right. And... It's it's really unfortunate that like it, to be in that position to witness what you know your parents haven't seen to actually know the truth of what Ben is capable of, but also she was very very frustrating not just because she was a teenage girl but also how she was like so unforgiving at some points, and and I get that like rightfully so, but there were moments where she was trying to help, but then there were moments she was really antagonistic towards Ben like what did you put in it. Uh, put in the sandwich drugs i'm like oh come on um so like immature digs in that sense i was like i couldn't like her just as a character well i think i i understood her for the simple fact of how many times has she been burned number one and i also think it's less about her but she i think she's seen holly in particular go through so many of these moments Uh, this is going to be I think right the the third Christmas in a row that's about to be ruined because of Ben, mm-hmm. and it's and like how many before that <laughs> right that that old saying like fool me once shame on you fool me twice shame on me and it's like how many times are we going to go through this right, a, and and I think it's less about Ivy it's more about like her mom of you know I don't want you to have to go through this right it's a vicious cycle um, and I get that and I think it's not an act to Catherine Newton but she she plays the same teenage angsty teenage girl and everything she like. 
talk about character um, actor, she's always the same t- angsty teenage girl that you don't like. Even mm. Big Little Lies and and uh, blockers and, and stuff. So, like she plays the same dislikable teenager. So unfortunately, I had the same preconceived notion of what she was going to be in this film. Yeah. Well, I think she. I think for this movie, she played it well. I think she'll grow into the role, um, into other roles, but we'll see. Uh, I want to go back to a moment that I thought was a very make-or-break moment. When Holly tells Ben of, like, just let's leave the dog. And you, you that's such a powerful moment simply from the standpoint of, like, Holly loves that dog. Mm-hmm. And she knows Ben needs it, and, and she knows what it... But, but she also knows, like, if they continue down this... Not that she could have predicted what did actually happen, but she knew it wasn't good. Yeah. And the cost-benefit analysis is like, you know what? Just leave the dog. Yeah. She chose her, her son over a dog. I mean, like, I think most people would, hopefully. And, and I like that because she was trying to quit while she was ahead. Um, mm. She still had Ben in, in the car with them. And it makes sense but also it just showed how good of a character ben was uh, how adamant he was trying to get the dog back because that was just a good guy that he was yeah because at the end they the dog didn't just affect him it it would have affected the the two little kids the whole family yeah you know and because they said oh he's gone he's gone and and you know she essentially lied to she's been lying to everybody at that point Mm-hmm. Ivy, Neil, the kid, she said one of the first things, like, we'll get him, don't worry, he's just out and about. He's on his own adventure. Ah, <laughs> uh, man. Any other... Uh, Can we talk a little bit about Neil? Yes, let's let's do it. Um, He was frustrating. Rightfully so, also, because... But there was a moment where you can tell he was so judgmental towards Ben and like, oh, you and the drug addict are like, oh, he's not understanding. But the moment where Ben calls him a dick and then Holly immediately um, defends him, I was like, oh, yeah, these are things we don't see. Yeah. So you can't hate Neil either. Yeah, it's it's very tough. That, that, that line is very blurred because, you know, he he could have. And I even before that, that moment, because it's Neil that comes out and says basically lands the rules because at that point he had made his decision like no ben ben's got to go back and then he allows the circumstance of him being able to stay mm-hmm. um and it's, it's it's also tough for him like holly sees that you know she wants to protect him too because he knows she knows that if he all of a sudden finds out that things are going this bad that he's gonna he's gonna just Call not, the cops. Not, call the cops and not be understanding whatsoever, right? He's just trying to do the best that he can. Um, but after a certain point, yeah, she's just lying to him left and right. Mm-hmm. But I feel for him. I I don't think any every, everyone's actions to me, apart from like the drug lord, uh, are from a place of, of of goodness. Like they want what's best. They just in that situation, it's just extremely tough to know what the hell that is. Right, and it's hard when Holly wasn't being honest either so it's not like they were being mean they they were being omitted from what was happening so you, you can't fault them for not knowing that the true situation so i also give them a pass in that way but also you don't see neil at the end of the movie you don't see how if he was accepting of ben being alive being still there um so that's what I, i'm saying was a misstep because because right. even like 
Ivy was very nervous about it. She knew that the mom was lying. And it was like, hey. Yeah, she still helped. She did. And so it's like, I, I yeah, I just want to know, if nothing else, Neil and Ivy, where do they end up emotionally? Mm-hmm. And um, so that I, I thought that was... get that. Yeah. That's where I feel a little bit unresolved. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah, there's some unresolved there. But ultimately, the story is Holly and Ben. Yeah. Like, where did they end up together? I don't even know that. <laughs> Alive. Like I know she's yeah alive. <laughs> That's all we know. You know, I mean, like, like shit. Talk about just like if you want to take it down to the, the holiday season and just be glad for anything. Be glad we're all alive. We're still alive, still <laughs> because, breathing. Because you know what, Ben could have not been alive. He he put Holly through the ringer within that twenty four hour period. He did, and but. But most of it, the irony was most of it wasn't his fault. It was it was just right up until that end, you know. He was mm-hmm. he was almost at the finish line. Right. Well, I think the moment that definitely like sped us into the third act was when Ben takes the car and leaves, and now they are now separated. So the whole third act is them just trying to meet up again. Yeah. yeah well, and, and you knew it was bad when he was able to score drugs without her ever knowing. Mm-hmm. So now him being on his own, like she's you, she's in a panic, af. Right, and also do a drug run in the same moment. Yeah, t- temptation just kept getting worse and worse, and um, yeah, I, 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 from a writing standpoint, I applaud them for being able to turn up the circumstances because when you when when you already have a girl that's into him, I thought you know sexually or whatever like and and she's like hey like i want to do drugs with you <laughs> talk about temptation like how how do you get more than that right. especially when you're you you know i know he's not like let's say he's 18 19 um maybe 20 at best it's like that's 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 a dream for a guy right. especially an addict and it's hard because even before leading up to that moment it's great and i shouldn't say great but as terrible as the moment that was but as a great and effective as that moment was the the moments leading up to it there is the whole line that's like there's so many triggers here yeah and that was definitely one of the biggest ones um sure. when she's like i i want to get high one more time if it's with you and you're like no <laughs> no don't do it not what you say all right so we've talked about story let's focus a little bit on production very interesting in terms of shooting it. So Stuart Dryborough, he did it. Uh, he's done the piano, Painted Veil, Secret Life of Walter Mitty, which is one of my favorite Runaway it's Brides. A great film. Uh, and they chose to shoot it in a very widescreen aspect ratio, two point three nine, which is almost two point four to one. Um, a normal ratio is like more like one point eight five to one. Mm-hmm. Um. So all in that to say, very, very widescreen. But they wanted to do that so anything that was shown was the, – the the sharpness was solely focused on the characters. Yeah, it was, on, it was definitely on purpose. And also they filmed this in the winter during the, the whole bomb cycle that happened on the whole East Coast back in 2017. So they're always talking about – Julia and Lucas are always talking about how cold it was while they were filming because there's a lot – the whole second and third act is all outside yeah. um, in the winter at night. So 
And we know how cold the bomb cycle was. So they were in like negative degree temperatures. I come from the Midwest. I know negative degree temperatures. And when you're putting film production hours into it, you're outside for like 16 hours in that. Whoo, that's cold. Suffer for your art. Yeah, I mean, for sure. Exterior night winter. He says, those are words I will never type again in succession. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, but I'm I'm glad that they shot it in practical locations. It really shows. I, I think, like, I don't know how you do this movie with green screen or anything else. I, I think it it ruins the emotional stakes um, and the authenticity of it all. So I, I applaud what they were able to do. Um, it's a very... Peter Hedges acknowledges and applauds Stewart's ability to not only keep the camera fluid... But also have great lighting. And he says too too oftentimes new f- cinematographers can keep camera fluid, but the lighting is not so much. Right, and I liked the the overall look of it. Um, it was mostly the blue, grayish, um, monotone kind of very cold. You can definitely mm. tell it was cold, but it reflects what it's going on in the story because it's not a happy story whatsoever. And I think the only scene that I can really remember where it was like more warm. And kind of loving atmosphere was when uh, Holly was at the church in the very beginning with all the kids singing there, that pageant thing. It's very warm. And then when they're at the house, there's a very warm, vivid, bright color spirit. You go anywhere else, it's very muted, saturated blues and grays. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So in the editing, too, I thought the editing, the music, and the cinematography all worked. Um, even though most of it, to a degree, plays out in real time, um, because we're following a 24-hour period, um, it never felt boring or long. And those moments where we do linger on people's actions, just being underscored by the heavy music, uh, there's just tension from start to end. And it's partly because you're left wondering, okay, what 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 information do I not know about this family? Mm-hmm. Uh, who can I trust? Who can't I trust? Who's justified? Who's not? It's, and, and also just the people that we meet throughout the whole second and third act. When we go from place to place to place, literally just driving a car, going from building to building or apartment to what have you, um, you're also just as a viewer, it naturally builds anxiety to be like, how can this person be worse than the last person that we just met? And how connected is Ben, or like how how connected was Ben back when he was high? Yeah, and, and even that moment when like Spider, she, the fact that she gives him drugs and, and the way that plays out, she's like, I, this is so fucked up. I took care of you, like I changed your diapers, mm-hmm. and now and, I'm giving you drugs just to give me information. Yeah, and she's and and she was so desperate. She knew she had to do it, but she's like, please call your mother. Mm-hmm. Let her know that she's you're alive. Ugh. And that's just a simple line in that moment, but how the weight of it, right? Because at the end, that's all she wants to know is Ben alive. And luckily, he does manage to stay alive. Right. And I think that it also shows like Holly's maternal instincts too. Because we see Beth, Maggie's mother, help Holly. And now we're turning in like... A maternal instinct and now holly just wants to help spencer because he's still alive um it's interesting the different relationships from like a mother to a kid yeah, and I, th- I think that's what she realizes because she was at 
at a certain point she was ready to give up and go back but then she changes her mind and I think until they're dead there's hope I think mm-hmm. is what she realizes yeah which is I, I don't know how to take that emotionally apart from Ooh. It's, it's good I guess <laughs> yeah um, alright so 83% on Rotten Tomatoes we don't have a cinema score for this um, the, the critical consensus being refreshingly understated Ben is back subverts family drama stereotypes and provides a forum for terrific performances from Lucas Hedges and Julia Roberts I concur I agree yeah um, you know we, we mentioned at the top that not big in terms of box office right now like a very limited release it's going a little bit wider as I really want this movie to do well I think both both actors Julia and and Lucas performed really well i think direction wise from peter he did a phenomenal job so um kudos to the movie i think as our last anatomy of the of the year i think it's a good movie to wrap up on yeah definitely and overall the majority of the film in the story it's not it's not a happy story whatsoever because it's it's a definitely an emotional roller coaster but it ends on a hopeful note it does and you know what it's it's the things that we want to avoid but um, are just so prevalent, you know, and I, I, I think it doesn't provide all the answers because I don't think no, nobody fully has all the answers. But I think the more we talk about things and, and share experiences like Beth and Holly, then there can be that hope, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, so. All right. Any final thoughts before we wrap it up? Uh, it, was a, it was a great film. Um, definitely should get recognized just for performance and even writing um, performance. This is a movie where you have two really solid actors of not saying Julia Roberts is old, but the more the older generation right now and a younger, a new up and coming generation with Lucas Hedges. It's like this is this is true acting put together. Absolutely, you you felt that bond between them and it was fantastic. So. Thank you guys for joining us. Let us know what you thought of this movie, especially, you know, I know when we do these types of movies like with Beautiful Boy, a lot of you guys let us know about your personal struggles, whether they be firsthand or secondhand. Uh, So we do feel for you, especially in this holiday season. So, uh, you know, go as deep or surface level as you'd like with the comments, um, you know, and... And thank you for joining us. It's been a wonderful, wonderful year. If you'll allow me to say, uh, at, in 2018, we've had a great run of anatomies. We're going to be continuing that into 2019. As I said, uh, because this is our last movie of the year, just scheduling, timing-wise, it just won't work out where we get to cover them. Although, there's just, as you know, I'm sure, there mm-hmm. there's a slew of movies coming out fast and heavy. We will be doing play a little bit of catch-up in 2019. But fear not, we will be back. Um, And, of course, we encourage you to go into our library of movies, over 500 movies that we've covered here on Anatomy. I'm very proud of that fact. Very proud of... uh, Yeah, we hit 500. Look at that. I mean, dare I say, I think we're at 550 or something like that. But I just just always... I never check and I don't round up. We're we're up there. (laughs) Um, So it's been a wonderful, wonderful journey. Thank you to Marissa. At Serafini TV is where you can wish her holiday cheer. Yep. I'm at Phil Svitek. Thank you for joining us. At DMovies1701 is where you can uh, follow and wish Dimitri happy holidays and so forth. Until next time, bye. From producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network. 
We would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Popcorn Talk Network or its owners or principals.